verse 1. Go ahead and take your chairs. Luke 18, 1. Amen. Thank you, worship team. As you're looking for Luke 18, you ever t go to your dad when you're growing up? And, you know, hey, dad, give me a couple bucks. He goes, I won't give you that before. I'm not going to give you that until you do something. Before I give you that, you have to do that. You ever get that? That's just my dad. Before I give you money, do this. Right? Because we always want something. But you can get this, but not before you get do this. Right? Just remember that. Say before. Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For sometimes he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, Yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Father, we, we love you and we ask that you take full control, not just of the service, but of every individual. Holy Spirit, I pray as you touch each life that you would open up their, their understanding to, to receive what the Spirit of God has for them. I pray we'll be transformed by your word and that you would move in power this day. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I, as a pastor, every year, every season, from trial to trial, people will come up to me and they would say, Pastor, why is it that I just cannot seem to get my prayers through to God. You ever feel like that? You know, you're praying and you're, and you're wanting something. Right? Why, why is it? Um, why aren't I being more effective? Or as all, all of us, as we could in our prayer life. Some never receive an answer from God, maybe because they don't pray. But God's Word teaches us that we have not because we ask not. So we have to ask, right? Uh, Jesus said, "Until now, uh, you've asked nothing, and uh, you've asked nothing in my name. But now you ask and receive. Now things are going to change. But the problem happens is sometimes, and I'm talking about church, people come and say, "How come I'm not getting my prayers answered?" Listen, there's some problem areas in our in our life that I think affect us. And it begins real simple. You have to have a realization that you're a sinner. Because some people actually think they're okay. I don't I care. I pay my taxes. Right? I love my wife, my, my children, my dog. We're not talking about that. Right? So David, he, he came to the point where he knew he was no good. And he said this, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, my Lord would not have listened. That's the New Living Translation. So he, he realized that there was something wrong with him. Realization is not just unconfessed sin. You realize there's something more about you that needs help. 
that's beyond your control. In the New American Standard, it took that word of um, realization, but it used a different word. So it, uh, it gives it a little different twist. It says, same verse, New American Standard Version, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. And, and it didn't say if I do something wrong, if I've done something wrong. He, it said if I regard wickedness. Regard could have been a lot of different words for regard. You know, when you, you sign a letter, kind regards, right? And, and, but it, it also means regard means cherish. Um, if you cherish somebody, and if anybody ever cherish somebody, you, you, you care about it, you fondly, you know. Stevie Wonder, ma chérie, amour, right? Right? And it's, I care about you. I love you. I fondle you. You know, it's something that really, uh, something attractive to you. Amen? But I, I think, here's a sad fact. Are you ready for it? People just like to sin. Can I say that? I better say that. You know, I was asking myself, I go, you know, Lord, why am I talking about sin? You know, because, you, know, you know, most pastors don't talk about sin because it scares people. But, you know, the Lord reminded me, this is Victor Outreach, and you got a lot of people in your church that like to sin. So you need to talk about it. Not to make you feel bad. No, 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 I'm not, no that's not what I'm trying to do. No, no, not at all. And I, I thought about that people do like to sin, and, but we have to understand that the pleasure of sin is temporal. Um, it, it may feel good. If, if sin didn't feel good, we wouldn't do it. But, I, you know, I was thinking about my pastor, and he would always say this. 30 seconds of pleasure is not worth an eternity in hell. And 30 seconds is giving you guys credit. And we're talking knowingly sinning. Knowingly sinning. Not just making a mistake. How many have made mistakes? Well, that's a little different. But when you knowingly sin, you know better. You know, you know, you know, you know. And then you hurt somebody in the process of sinning. I've always told you, and this is a very important principle. When you sin and the sin hurts you, God is very patient with you. He'll work you along. He'll, do, he'll, he'll help you. Here, here's where God begins to speed up the process. When people begin to sin, and that sin begins to hurt somebody else other than you. When that happens, God shifts gears because he's not going to let your sin hurt others. He's going to come in just a little quicker and oftentimes a little more brutal. Right? Well, we see it as brutal, but it's really his love. So we're talking about uh, knowingly sinning. A realization and regard leads, to, leads one to knowingly sin. Once you realize it and you regard it, if you don't deal with it, then you're going to knowingly sin. See, there's no attempt to get rid of the sin. You just keep doing it. They just keep doing it. They coddle it. They tolerate it. They regard it. They cherish it. They accept it. It's just who they are. So when you get to that point, you've surrendered to sin, and now you're being ruled. Let's not blame the devil. No, the devil has nothing to do with that. That is simply man's flesh. Simple. The carnitas. The carne asada. Amen? Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your 
iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, God wants to answer our prayers, but sometimes he cannot. Imagine that. A great and all-powerful God who created the heavens and the earth because of our actions can't help us. Isaiah very clearly teaches us that sin separates us from God. He will not hear or answer our prayer. Now here's the million-dollar question. How many of us have sinned? Raise your hand. Now if you haven't raised your hand, you're in sin right now because you're lying. Amen? So if you have not thought you're sinning, and you're as pure as the Virgin Mary, this one is for you. Romans 3.23. In Romans 3.23, Paul is writing to the Roman church, and he says this, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let me, read, let me give you the definition of all. The definition of all is all. All have sinned and fall short of the glory. So before you look at your neighbor your husband or your wife, and say, you sinner, remember, you are all as well. Are, are, are we in the boat together now? Yes. Amen. Let's keep reading that, verse 24. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as an example by His blood to be received by faith. This was how this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies him who has faith in Jesus. So now that we're all feeling better about ourselves because we're dirty dog sinners, but despite the fact that we are those sinners, our faith in Christ and the work that he did on the cross... Huh? Saves us from an eternity in hell. Now, the trick is, we have to stay in that area. You don't want to get outside of God's grace. We talked about God's grace last time. If you keep acting a certain way, you'll get yourself out of God's grace. Paul says, be careful not to fall out of the grace. Because when you fall out of the grace, then you're no longer covered by the blood. Well, hello, somebody. This is the only time you want to be a blood. Amen? But there's five truths about prayer. That I'm going to head and say, well, I'm dealing, why I'm talking about prayer? Because I'm really focusing on church relationships. If, if church people are going to have good relationships, for, the first thing they have to work on is stop sinning. That, that, that's like, like ground zero. Amen? And there's five truths about prayer that I want to talk about. Because if we're going to stop sinning, then it is the prayer life or our relationship with God that improves relationship with each other. Yeah. Amen? Oh, I, I, I can tell people when they have a good relationship with God or not. It's how they relate to others. Amen? So, the first one is change in character before. Say before. before. Change in character before you change your circumstance. See, we always want to change our circumstance. I'm going through this, that. You know, oh, help me, Lord. Pray, you're praying, you're praying, praying for your circumstance, right? No, God doesn't work that way. If you want your circumstance to change, the first thing you got to ask God is change who you are. 
Say, ouch. Uh, see, before I ask God to rearrange my life, I ask God to rearrange me. Everything begins with you. All successful prayer begins with confession of any known sin in your life. And at the moment we confess it, that opens up a channel for us to God. And then God can begin to work through you. James says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's very interesting. Confess to each other and pray for each other so that you'll get better. Right? Hmm? The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and wonderful results. Right? A person who has been made right by the cleansing action of confessed sins, the power of the blood falling under graves, that person has great power. You didn't know you were powerful. See, and, and the thing, this is why the world is always working overtime. This is why the enemy is working overtime to keep us into sin, to keep us making mistakes. Because he knows once you can cleanse that off your table, get that away from you, you are powerful. You're a superhero. Huh? You're like Batman, Superman, all combined. You're a bad motor scooter, right? Why? Because you're, you're full of power. So, the only way the enemy can keep you at bay from attacking his kingdom and taking control is keep him sinning. And don't just keep him, give him good sin. Make her look nice. Put some nice tight jeans on her. Yeah, he does. Oh, man, oh let the guy with, with one little hair, so he gets a little hair sticking out. Think he's Lance Romans. Keep him sinning. Oh, man, give him a bottle. Drop, drop this. Drop that. Keep him sinning. Why? Because if he can keep you in that position, you don't have access to the power, the power that rightfully belongs to you. Power. Say power. power. So I want power. Amen. 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 So have you ever tried, you know, to divert, divert God's attention? Well, huh, you know what I mean? You're trying to get through to him, but God is trying to deal with your disobedience. God, I'm trying to pray, and all he keeps talking about your disobedience. But God, yeah, no, 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 you're disobedient. But, but I'll, no, 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 let's deal with this. I'll do this. No, 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 let's deal with this. Amen? See, prayer begins with a confessed sin. Then you open in, into power. So we have, secondly, we have to be right before, oh, say before. before. So you, be right before people, before you can be right with God. Ouch. Say ouch, ouch. Be right before people before you can be right before God. And that t speaks to an unforgiving spirit. In Matthew 18, 11, or 21, Peter came to him and said, Lord, and here's Peter. We know Peter was a knucklehead. He wasn't a meathead, but he was a knucklehead. And he came, before, he came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Then Peter knew the biblical answer, up to seven times. Jesus said to him, no, 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 no. I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven a day. See, Peter had an issue. You know, we, we know later on you know, the story of Peter. He was always presumptuous. He's the guy, you know, he took out his filetto, he took out his knife, right? And boom, sliced the guy's ear off. And so he, he had a, a, a temper, he was always getting, putting his foot in his mouth. And I imagine some people were getting under his skin. And he still had, he had his weapon. He goes, how many times do I got to deal with this fool? That's in my interpretation, right? How many times am I going to let this guy get away with it? He's probably thinking about that. He's mad. 
But Jesus is nearby. He goes, Jesus, you got to tell me, man. How many times do I got to forgive these people? I mean, I'm on number six right now. And one more time. You know, you ever get that point? One more time. Pow, right up to the moon, right? He goes, one more time. He goes, so he's probably, I can imagine being right at that point. Man, how many times do I got to forgive these people? Jesus, not seven. Seventy times seven. Now, I wasn't a, a mathematician or, any, or that good in math in high school or, or college. I, was, I didn't really dig that. But I can figure out seven times 70 is a lot. Huh? What is that? 490 times. So you have to forgive that person 490 times over the same thing. Now, imagine if you did a different thing. Now you got to start all over again. So you have... 490 on one thing, now you got another 490 on the other thing. Hello, somebody. Are you with me? And then we're so upset we don't want to forgive him because we're on 388. Right? We're on 388. I've been doing good, 388, but 389. I don't know, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to do her in. I'm going I'm to get her. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get her. And then we want to come to the Lord. Oh, God, oh, loving Father, answereth my prayereth. And God says, knoweth. Why? Because an effective prayer life, a relationship with God begins. In fact, I was like, it can't start until your relationship with people is right. Oh, wow. Okay. See, I'm going to let you know something. Forgiveness is not a matter of mathematics. Forgiveness is an issue of the heart. Right? A forgiving spirit is not an act something you do. No, no, no. It's an attitude. It's a spirit, a lifestyle, forgiveness. So Matthew tells us what we do. He says, there, you know, if you, before, uh, if you come and bring your gift to the altar and there, you remember that you, your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go to them and, and be re- reconciled to them and then come and offer what you have to offer. Well, then, in that state, we're not there. We have a difference somewhere. We come to church like today, and we walk out without the victory. We go, how come I didn't get the victory? Well, perhaps that issue with your brother is hindering your victory. I would say beyond, perhaps, that is your problem. Jesus says when we come to the altar to pray and talk to God, if something's wrong between us or someone else, go and restore that relationship. Because a forgiving spirit is very beneficial. It's good for the health. It makes your prayer life more effective, but it also makes your heart lighter. You feel good. You know, you, know, you know how it is when you have something against somebody, they're always on your mind. And you're conjuring ways up to, to do them in or get back or get even. And it's always with you. It's always with you. Always with you. But when you have a forgiving spirit, it doesn't bother you. Your, your life is lighter. It's like no burden. Like, man, things are cool. And that person, whoever they may be, may not like you, but it doesn't really bother you because you don't need them to like you. You like them. Why do you like them? Because it, it, it ensures that your relationship with God is right. That's very important. Because if you don't do that and you want to pray, don't, don't expect an answer. Hmm? See, prayer lives in a spirit of forgiveness. The third thing I I found is you have to have pure motives before. Say before. So you have to have pure motives before you ask in prayer. Before. 
See, the problem will, when people don't have a pure motive is because they do not have an unsurrendered, or let me say it like this, they have not surrendered their will. See, when you, you come before an almighty God and you're asking for things, but your will is still your will. Your desire is still your desire. Your goal is still your goal. And there's no God in it. And then we say, God, can you help a brother out with my goal? Be assured, God will say, no. So your goal has to align with God's goal. God's goal, he's not in heaven trying to align to everybody. Oh, let me make sure everybody's nice and happy. No, no, no. Your goal has to align with his goal. If your goal does not, then it's your thing. Go ahead and do it. I'm not mad at you. But don't expect your prayer to be effective. That's your choice. But if you want an effective prayer, does anybody want an effective prayer? Then you have to align your will, your goal, with his goal, not the other way around. James 4.3 tells us that when you, when you ask, you don't get it because your whole motive is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. James don't cut no, no, no corners here. James 4.3. See, why do we pray? That's really the question. James is saying that when our motive is wrong, often the answer does not come out as we want it to. And we all are guilty of that. I see it all the time, oh God, oh God, change my husband. Oh, change him, change him. And he says, no, he's just what you need to get you out of you. I'm going to leave him that way until you change or vice versa. It's interesting the way God operates right? We have to begin to look inward. Hello, say, say, let's do this again. Say, ouch, ouch. I'm not just pre- preaching. I'm, I'm starting to meddle. Amen? So I know people who are very genuine in their prayer. They, they, they're genuine. They really believe in prayer and they want to pray. But their motives were not quite as pure as they thought they were. Huh? See, because of this, God never effectively answered their prayers. They would pray, but they never got what they wanted. Why? Because they had an ulterior motive. And again, I'm bringing you back to something. Your will has to align with God's will. Jesus led the way on, his, on the route towards his death. He said very clearly, very plainly, your will, not my will. How many of us have said that? Your will, not my will. Because our will could get confused, and our will can sound pretty nice. I have, a, I have a son, my namesake, in prison. And I would pray, God, you know, don't let him go to prison. He was in trouble, don't let him do this, God. And then I would begin to negotiate. Right? I'm going to negotiate. God, come on, God. Look what I'm doing. I'm trying to high sign. Look what I'm doing. I'm reaching out to people. I'm pulling people out of prison. You know, I'm doing all this, and I'm trying to negotiate my will, what I want for my son. I'm saying, God, God. And did he answer that prayer? (laughs) No. Or maybe he did. His answer was no, he's going to jail. And he went. Because that's probably, in hindsight, I look back, that was the best thing for him. Not my will, but your will be done. 
But we always want it our way. We, listen, God, Jesus is the king of kings. Amen? He is not Burger King. You can't have it your way. Amen? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. See, this concept becomes a little more difficult when we're engaged in intercessory prayer. That's what I'm talking about. Because how many parents we have? Raise your hand, right? Or your parents? There'll come a point in your life where you're going to pray for your children or your grandchildren, correct? And then we're going to pray, we're going to pray, we're going to pray. Here's where it gets a little difficult because your will may be what God wants and God's aligned with you. But the, the other party, the person you're praying for, you're interceding seating for, they have their own will. And sometimes the very thing that you're praying according to the will, but your grandson, your daughter, whatever, your relative doesn't want it, God will never override their will. Then you want, God, why don't you answer prayer? He goes, no, 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 I want to answer your prayer, but they just like sin. And I have to honor what they want to do. So he leaves them alone. Right? See, this prayer may seem ineffective because of the unsurrendered will and unsubmissive will of the person we are interceding for. So we pray and we ask God in Jesus' name, and, and that's not that, that cliche-ish, but sometimes you don't really have to ask in Jesus' name. Use those words. And I'm going to say this is like a side note. Because we hear it, and it's cool, you can use it, but it's not really a, like, a, like if there's a form. See, when you, when Jesus' name, when you pray, means you have an authority. If you have an authority, your lifestyle and your fruit are evidence that you come in his name. Because some people were living like the devil, so in Jesus' name, doesn't work. Just because you, I'm using Jesus' name, but the Bible says I use Jesus' name. No, no, no. Now you're not, God is not an English teacher or a literary author. No, he is indicating that when your lifestyle... It's under the anointing and under the authority of leadership. When you're walking and talking the way you should, when people recognize you, that's a man of God, that's a woman of God, you don't have to say you come in Jesus' name. They'll know it the moment you walk to the door. Whoa. In their spirit, they'll know you're coming in Jesus' name. See, and that's what you have to long for. When you begin to focus on God, repent from your sins, try to get right with God, you, don't, you walk, you're walking, your life is in Jesus' name. Everything you do is in Jesus' name. Huh? You, you look at your wife in Jesus' name. You look at your children in Jesus' name. Why? Because you are his representative. Huh? So we have to get there. See, prayer is lifted up to heaven by a surrendered will. Number four, God sees me. Say before. God sees me before he sees those around me. Huh? So we must shed any disregard for others. What am I saying? People, or rather, God has to look at your heart, and He wants to look at your heart and see how do you feel about other people. Huh? When your heart begins to shift and become like His, because God always cared about People. He looked the world for people. So much so that when he's seen their plight, he said, there's only one solution. I had to go down there. 
So he, he understood that there's a great need. I have to attend to this. See, you have to come to a point when you begin to see the need, you feel it. We were taught that years ago. huh? See the need and feel it. Don't see the need and complain about it because they're not doing it right. See the need and feel it. And that's what God did. He began to look at others around him. He's seen the world that needed help, so he filled it. As his example, you too, when you begin to pray, you need to see others around you. And what's happening? Is my prayer going to affect this person next to me? If I do what I want to do, will it hurt this one? Huh? If I just up and leave and leave my ministry hanging, is anybody going to be affected by that, or do you care? And if you do make those moves, then all of a sudden you're making these moves, and then you have the audacity to say, God, can you hear my prayer? He's going to have to get you back to a point where, no, no, no. I'm gonna, let me get you back to when you, you see people and everything that you did and how it affected them. You need to get back there and correct it before you start asking for prayer. Hello, someone. Is anybody home? See, a disregard for others makes our prayer life ineffective. Psalms 33, 13. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the heart of all considers everything. Uh, see, this verse is very interesting. Our prayer life may not be effective as it could be because we are praying for merely for self-interest. Now, we, can't, we should pray for self-interest, but people, otherwise you become just what we, I said, you become very selfish. I've said this many times and it bears repeating. God has four answers to your prayer. It's not very complicated. There's only four answers to God's prayer. Are you ready for them? If the, the request is wrong, he says no. If the, the timing is wrong, he says slow. If you're wrong, he says grow. If all things are right, then he says go. What am I saying? You have to begin to work on praying right, not wrong. You have to Learn how to find his time, his timing, God's timing, not your timing, not when you want it, but when he wants it. Hmm? Then you have to ask God to grow you. And as you do those things, your prayer will be effective. Because the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Not a little bit, but much. Huh? Sometimes you want what, what you want may not be good for everybody else. And God may not give you the answer that you think you need. Uh, Romans 8.28, but be a good cheer. Even if, even if, has anybody ever got the, got the answer that he didn't want? And got mad at God? All things, Romans 8.28, all things work together for good for those who love God. Now you may get, go through it, you may have bumped your head trying to get your answer the wrong way. Uh, but if you love God, because they ever say, oh, I love God, okay. If you love God, eventually it'll work to good. It will. 
But you may have more head bumps and more coscorones and more scratches on your knees and more, 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 more tears along the way before you get there. Now, it's much better if you adhere to what I'm trying to tell you. But if you don't, you can do it your way. Let me know how it goes. Hmm? But God's going to get you to his perfect will. He wants you there. See, prayer never disregards other people. So when you begin to pray for things, is your prayer going to affect somebody? You have to understand that. And don't let it do that. As I close, could you imagine if all your prayers were answered? They had a movie about that, right? Um, that guy, that crazy guy. He was God. What was his name? What's that guy's name? Huh? Jim Carrey, yeah, Jim Carrey. Remember, he, he was God, for, and he, anything he, he asked, he, was, he had to answer everybody's prayer, and he was going nuts. Well, that's what, you know, whoever did that understood Scripture, because that's the very thing that would happen. Do you imagine if God answered your prayer? It'd be crazy. How would he do that? Answer your prayer, answer your prayer, answer everybody's prayer. We'd, we'd be fighting each other, just like that movie. What, is, what does that mean? See, in all your prayers... If all your prayers were answered, you, not God, would be in control of everything. God is not a genie where you get wishes. No, no. Many of us struggle with God's sovereignty. One cannot disrespect the truth, disrespect the truth that God is the boss. He's the boss, He's in charge, not us. God is not a puppet where we pull a string and he immediately comes answering, pull my string, I'll do anything, I'm your puppet, right, only because, right, snap your fingers and I'll come to you, I'm your puppet. That's not God, he ain't your puppet. No, and what we think, we actually have the audacity think we come and just ask God for things, give me a break. No. Be very careful when you come to the Lord with your mouth and what you ask for. The young man, he met this beautiful girl, a model. But he, he had a hunch that she wanted to date him. But he had a, also another girl that he was kind of liking, and, and he go, I don't know, man. But she was beautiful. But she, he didn't know how to make, he didn't know what to do. So he gets a coin, and in mind he go, okay, heads, I'll date her. Tails, I won't. So he flipped the coin up. Boom. Heads. Let me try it again. Heads, I'll date her. Tails, I won't. He flips it again. Boom. Heads. I'll be tails, right? So every time he hit heads, it was, don't date her. He did it a third time. Boom. Boom. Tails. All right, all right. I'm a dater. Huh? Well, and somebody asked him, okay, um, why did you do it three times? He said, because the first two times landed the way I didn't want to go. And that is what most people do when they pray. God, 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 you answer? Well, let me, is there anybody else up there? If that don't work, then they start walking around the church and talking to people. Hey, what do you think about this? And you're looking, fishing for people to give you the answer, to give you tales. I win. 
I knew it. See, he agrees with me. She agrees. I got birds of the feather flock together. Yep. Turkeys always flock together. See, God answers, but we don't like the answer. So we search for someone, anyone, to confirm what we want to do. But people who pray understand that God is sovereign. He's the boss. Hmm? So I know me. I've suffered from all of those. 33 years. Made mistakes. Prayed wrong. Got the answer that I didn't like. Didn't want to do it. But one thing I did do, despite all that praying wrong, when I got the answer, even though I didn't like it, I did it. And it worked. And I, I, I credit that to one person, to that man. He goes, you're not going to get the answers that, that you like all the time, Al. But when you know it's God, do it. More importantly, he said, and when your leader comes to you, do it. And that was a hard one because I had some knucklehead leaders, right? He said, this is what happens. Because if you do it, God will honor your obedience and deal with your leader. But if you don't do it, then you put yourself in disobedience. And he has to pull back from you and let you figure it out. Very important principle. That is the main principle that's kept me from sin, from backsliding, from acting out the things in my brain. That's why obedience is always better than sacrifice. I want every head bowed, every eye closed.